It's been great over the last couple of weeks to talk about families. We saw last week the role of a wife to follow and biblical role of submission and see how when that works well, God honors that relationship. We saw the responsibility of a husband to get his wife and prepare her for marriage, Ephesians 5, to present her to God as a radiant, unblemished bride and, and to get her ready for eternity. And we've been discussing what it means to be a family. And today we're going to address another element of family and see what scripture has to say. I'm excited about this piece because we're going to address singleness. Many in our families are single. Many a grace community are single. We have some that are single again, some who have been widowed and single again. And we have singles in our world. And what does God say and his word say about being single? And how can we find a way for singles to stand strong in the relationship with Jesus Christ? How is it possible for them to stand strong in singleness? And how does that unpack in, in a world today that puts all kinds of pressure on those who are single? And, and what is it that God has to say? We're going to look at principles from God's word. And my hope today is that you're challenged, you're encouraged, and you walk away and have a game plan from God's word, how I can live out my faith well as a single and stand strong in my singleness. Yet the reality is that we live in a world where everyone else has a good opinion how they think we should operate. And, and so more than ever in our world, we need to see marriages that are Christ-centered, the hope of Jesus Christ and the hope of glory is represented. And we show what we stand for in Jesus Christ, a husband and a wife together centered upon Christ. But many of you have been single, and obviously I was at a time in my life too, before I met my wife, Anne. And and sometimes we say things to singles because we try to comfort them. And sometimes we say things that we shouldn't have said. And, and so if you're single today or single again today, these are things that are probably said to you that someone's trying to come into your life and tell you that it's okay being single. And often what they tell you doesn't really bring comfort to you. But for the sake of those things that are being said, listen to some of these things that are said to singles. How are you still single? There's someone out there for you. Jesus is your boyfriend now. Meet and greet's coming up. You know what to do. The key is to act like you don't care. It happens when you don't expect it. Who are you bringing to the wedding? If I was a girl, I'd date you. Who can we set you up with? Sorry, couples only. Have you tried internet dating? She looks single. You know who else wasn't married? Paul. All single ladies, all single ladies. Come on. Happens when you're not looking. Work on your smile. He's single. You know who else wasn't married? Jesus. It's okay to be a fifth wheel. Maybe if you give God one of your ribs, he'll give you a wife. You should change your Facebook profile picture. You know who else wasn't married? Matthew. No, he was married. You should meet my cousin. Just pray about it. Pray harder. This series is on marriage. You don't need to pay attention. You're not that old yet. You can't settle. You know, you might want to think about settling. There's plenty of fish in the sea. We're going to celebrate not having Valentine's Day. If she says, you're like my best friend, that's bad. You should try Overflow. Maybe she can see you tithe. You know, when you have a wife, you can't play as much Xbox. You should get a dog. Have you asked Jesus for a wife? Are you on Christian Mingle? Have you? Have you tried this? This looks good. I have a great book for you to read. It's called the Bible. Jesus is your girlfriend now. Dude, you have to get someone hot because you're going to be married to them forever. You are going to make such a cool aunt. It's not about you. You know, there's no marriage in heaven. It's all about you. I don't know. Is he a Christian? It's about Jesus. I know people who got married when they were like 70. Okay, you're fine. Marriage is like a sandwich. It takes a long time. You're not gonna meet your husband at a bar. Do you wanna be Jim and Pam, or do you wanna be Ross and Rachel? For it is better to be unmarried. See? 
Needless to say, there's a lot of pain out there too. And I come into this service today and been praying this week for those that are lonely, those that find themselves last night uh, longing to be married to a godly husband, a godly wife, those who find themselves because of sinful choices or, or something that happened in their past, single parents and trying to make it and wondering, how am I going to make it? I, I don't know that I can pay my bills. And, and those of you who long, just long to have companionship, I realize that's a reality that you deal with. I know that it's painful. And my hope today is this, that even as you walk through your singleness, you'll come to a point and realize I can stand strong where I'm at in Jesus Christ and I can rejoice in this moment because the God above is in complete control of my life. And I know that no matter what happens tomorrow or what's happened in my past, that God will go with me and the king of the universe, God himself, lives in me. So let's just see what we need to know to begin with. I would say this to begin with. Grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But we need to get this principle down as a single. This is one you need to get down. Your singleness is not your identity. Jesus is. Look at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 14 to 17. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But your singleness is not your identity. Jesus is. And when you find Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, stand with me and we'll read God's word out loud together. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. I'll be reading from the NIV. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You may have a seat. It's important just for foundational principle today and more than ever to recognize that you and I, whether we're single or married, if we're a Christ follower who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, that we are heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. Having someone in your life or having a possession in your life or earning something or accomplishing something doesn't make you a better person. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you are an heir of God. You are a co-heir. You are the glory and image of Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, Scripture says. You are, whether you're single or not single, you are made and created in the image and glory of God, and that is enough. Can I get like five amens? That is enough. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman to have identity and security. Now, sure, a woman that loves Jesus Christ and you marry or a man that loves Jesus Christ collected together, it tells us we become one and together we can serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But your identity begins in this truth. You are made in the image and glory of God himself. If we don't or you don't find security in there, you will never find it in a relationship and you will never find it in a marriage. You can find it in Christ alone. But I know what the enemy likes to do. 
He likes to come along and feed you these thoughts, these lies that come your way that tell you just the opposite. He likes to come in and say, you're not what you think you are. And so what happens, this is it. We get temptations that come our way. Every single one of us that's a believer has a temptation that comes our way. And as a single or single again, or widow single, you will find temptations that are common to you. And so these temptations that come, what happens is when they come, whether you're married or unmarried or single or, 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 or married, temptations come and all of a sudden you try to define yourself by your temptation. You'll say, things, I can't believe that temptation. I can't believe I thought that thought. I can't believe that that error from the enemy came. And if you're not careful, you begin to define yourself by your temptations. But listen, you're not defined by your temptations. You're defined by your identity in Jesus Christ who declared you righteous. And so what happens is we go through this battle of, well, if I'm thinking this thought and this thought came and then that's who I am. No, it's not until you act upon it is when it becomes sin. The reason there's such an identity crisis in our world right now is because we keep trying to find in the world what can never be found and can only be found in Jesus Christ. Paul had a lot to say about marriage. I want you to turn one book over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He had a lot to say about married and unmarried. He had a lot to say about single and singleness. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. One book over and look at chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing in a response to the sexual morality that's happened in the church of Corinth. And so he responds, and he says this in chapter 7 and verse 1. Now, for the matters you wrote about, he's answering a question, questions that surface. We're going to get one side of the story here, but this is his response. Now, for the matters you wrote about, for the things that you brought up, for the, the answers to your questions, he said this. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman outside of marriage. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Let me just pause here and just for clarity's sake, you know this, you hear me say it a zillion times, but it's worth repeating. Sex outside of marriage is sin. There's no way you'll ever, ever be in a relationship with a man or woman that you're dating and to have sex and think that God approves of it. It is called sin. And so Paul is saying, once again, he's saying in verse two, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and a woman with her own husband. The husband shall fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does have authority over his own body body, does not have his own body, but yields it to his wife. Then he says this, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Pause for a second for those that are married. Paul says this in the word of God's inspired by the Holy Spirit as men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul says this, it's not good for you to withhold intimacy from your wife because you want to, and it's not good for you to withhold it from your husband because you want to. Only if you both agree mutually consent for a short time. Because what happens if you're not intimate the way God desired and it's not in agreement yet, then all these other options appear on the scene and Satan uses them to tear down this relationship. Then he says this in verse 6. I, or verse seven, I wish that all of you were as I, what? What's the word? Am. And Paul was single. 
But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. And then he says this in verse 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay on what? Married. As what? I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with what? Passion. Let me just process that a little bit. Think about that after reading verse 28. Now look at verse 28. Paul says this. If you do marry, then you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Well, you want to think, well, thanks a lot, Paul. Like, can't wait to get married. (laughs) So we know from the context and the passage here, and we know from the word of God that it's okay. Some that are single or remain unmarried. Paul says, I wish you would stay as I do. But if you burn with passion, he said, it's okay to want to be married. And so you have unmarried and married. And Paul says this, and he says, one of the reasons I don't wish marriage upon you is because you will face many troubles. And people ask me, oh, why is my marriage so difficult? And I say, because you're opposed by an enemy who wants to tear it up. Man, more than ever in our world today, Our world needs to see a healthy model of a husband and a wife, a wife and a husband centered upon God, loving each other, chasing after Jesus. They need to see a model that Christ intended and the metaphor of the bride and groom that we see. Then and only then will we begin to see marriages where they're supposed to be in our world. And so there's this model. Paul says some married, some were made unmarried, single. And he also says this, because, you know, there will be trouble. I want to spare you so that you don't have to face many troubles in your life. You mean when two sinful people get together, they will not always experience the honeymoon love that they felt? You know, we chuckle at that, but there's this myth out there that somehow it doesn't take works. It takes work. Work as though you're working unto the Lord when you work out your marriage. You mean that that your husband will not always buy you roses and write poems to you when you come home every night? No, he won't. You mean he will not always brush his teeth and put his dirty laundry in the hamper? No, he won't. You mean your wife will not always meet you every night in a negligee when you come home from work? No, she won't. You get the point Paul's saying it's difficult, but let me tell you something. It is so rewarding when you meet the man or woman that God has marked out in this journey called life. And they love Jesus and you love Jesus and your family together chases after Jesus. It's so rewarding. But listen to me. It's so rewarding to be single and be content where you're at too. Let me just pause and just pull away here a second. How many singles do we have in this room and in the link and across the internet? If, if you're single today, just, just how, many, how many of you are single today? Just, just hold up your hand. Praise God, by the way. You can put your hands down. You see, we live in a world where there's singles. And we want you to know at Grace Community Church, you're part of the family. We need each other. And together, collectively together, we can charge through this thing called life and the glory and power of Jesus Christ. 
by the way, you're not some weird person because you're single. There's not something wrong with you. You're not abnormal. You're a normal human being. And because in, that, that somehow someone wants to say there must be some sin in your life or infirmity in your life or something's wrong with No, there's nothing wrong with you if you are single today. Scripture is clear about our responsibility. Some of you will say that you think you'll be much happier when you get married because things are so much easier and better. Well, I get good news for you. Every situation that you're in requires hard work, discipline, and devotion to God. Marriage, when it's clicking, is something beautiful. Let me just pull away and say this too. If you're single and you find yourself... I don't know what your past is. I don't know if there's, if there's a, a relationship in your past or you find yourself divorced and maybe you're on the, the innocent end of that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you find yourself forward and there's this person in your past that, 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 that's been part of your past and no longer is. Listen, it doesn't mean that you can't stand now and trust and follow hard after Jesus Christ because that's part of your past. Let that past learn from that experience, but press on and walk in the identity of Jesus Christ and not your past. And by the way, quit telling everyone how horrible your ex was. No one wants to hear it. No, seriously. I mean that, I mean that in a tender way. Like that's past. Like you learn from it, grow, grow from it, learn from it, be wiser from it, get counsel from it. And set your feet on this new ground. And now get back in the race and chase after Jesus and become the man or woman that he wants you to be. You see, there's a lot of lies out there regarding singleness and marriage. And I want to break some of those down today. And here's some of the lies that surface regarding singles and getting married. And a faulty view of marriage. Here's one that often comes up. It says, when we get to a point of contentment with our singleness, or you get to a point of contentment with your singleness, that God will then provide a spouse. Listen to me. There's not this magical formula in scripture. There's not like this magical formula. Like, I'm content. Boom, there she is. I'm content. Boom, there he is. Listen, I know many people, if that was the case, I know many singles that are content in their singleness that aren't married. It's not the case. It's not a magical somehow formula. Somehow be content. Oh, I, I got to be content. I got to be content. And you're so rattled about being content. But you know, once you can be content that you're going to get married. God calls us contentment in whatever state we find ourselves in. It's not so that he can remove us from that situation. Because that Romans passage says, not only we suffer, not only we rejoice in his glory, but we, we rejoice in the sufferings that Christ went through. Part of the process of growing is suffering. Maybe you're suffering now, but listen, that's how you grow. That's how you become more Christ-like. If contentment and acceptance of singleness is a prerequisite for getting married, then there would be many individuals married who are now single. Another myth or lie that we need to break down regarding married and singleness. Number two, that somehow if we are righteous enough, marriage is our reward. Like somehow we can get to the point of some, that we can be, if we're righteous, 
Listen to me, by the way, let's just pull away, pull away and talk about righteousness. We can never be righteous on our own. We are declared righteous because of the work and the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, he sees us covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are righteous. We don't become righteous. And it's not by our doing, it's by his doing on the cross. So it's not as though somehow you get more righteous that you will get the favor of God in marriage on you. Now listen, you should do things God's way. And God honors those that honor him. And we know from Matthew 10, if we publicly confess to one another, Jesus on earth, that Jesus himself will publicly acknowledge us before the Father. God always honors obedience. Always has, always will, even in heaven. We'll see a recognition to the way we lived on earth. But it's not The reason why we get married because of our righteousness or we find a wife. Marriage is not God's reward, nor is singleness God's punishment. I know scripture says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But just because you don't have a wife or a husband doesn't mean that you're less than someone that does. Singleness is not God's punishment to you. Can I get one amen for that? You see, we may have a strong preference over one or the other, but from God's perspective, one is not better than the other. Nor is our marital status an indication of his favor or lack of it. Now, here's here's why I know that to be true. I know some marriages where, where people got married that they weren't following after God. I know, I know marriages that, that unbeliever married a non-believer and we're, no, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. And you can't tell me that the byproduct of, of God's favor was that marriage because then we have so many models where while they're married, that doesn't work. Even logically, you can't deduce that from scripture. Another reality regarding marriage that God will remove our desire to be married if he wants us to be single. Like somehow you won't have that desire. The truth of the matter is that sexual desires and the desire to marry are inherent part of every human being. Unless physically or emotionally something has happened to hinder those desires. I had a mentor in my life that was a great man of God. When I was 20, 21, and 22 years old, back in Hagerstown, Maryland, single and and desiring to be married, I had an assistant pastor in a church that poured into me. He taught me about Jesus, and I taught him how to play golf. It was a great match-off. It really was. And so we would talk about Jesus on the golf course, and and it was, it was a great chance. He, he, he fed me spiritually and I helped him physically. He even lost 65 pounds in this journey of getting healthy. So we, 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 we kind of sharpened each other. And even back then, he was in his late 40s, longing. We would talk about it. He longed to be married, had a desire to be married, but was still single. Still had desires to be intimate with a woman in the context of marriage. But for some reason or another, the circumstances, and and it didn't work out. And even to this day, this man is still single in his 60s. And if you would go to him, he still has the desires in his case of being intimate with a woman because that is innate in us. God has said, go procreate the world. It's something that God has placed in men and women. 
it doesn't necessarily mean he'll take that desire away. Another lie regarding marriage. Since he gives us the desires of our hearts, then eventually we will get what we want. Are we kidding ourselves to believe that? Like the Bible tells us in Jeremiah that our hearts are desperately wicked and we can deceive ourselves. Now, I know what Psalm says. Psalm 37 tells us that, that if we delight in the ways of the Lord, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Now, there is truth to that. But the fact is, sometimes our desires don't line up with his will. And if we're not delighting in him, then we're not going to get that. But there are times when it lines up and we're following hard after him and we're obedient in this path that that desire surfaces and he gives it. But just because we desire it doesn't mean he'll give it to us. Our deepest desire should be for what God wants, not what we want. A better prayer might even be to ask God to meet our needs and fulfill his purpose in us in whatever the way he chooses to do so. Another myth or a lie regarding marriage is this. Everyone who is married has been given that spouse from God. While every good and perfect gift comes from above, God has also created us with the free will and we choose to marry who and what and where and who, whomever we want to. The important matter is that we carefully know and process before we make that decision. I've said this on many occasions, it's worth repeating. If you have a desire today and you're a single or single again to be married, there's so much wisdom and asking someone who's a Christ follower, look at the marriages around you. If you're getting advice from a marriage that's fractured, listen to me. It's probably not good advice. Scripture tells us in Proverbs that a multiple of counselors is good for gaining wisdom. I think it's very important. If you're, if you're, in, a, if you're in a family that's Christ-centered and mom and dad are married, I really encourage you, before you say yes, to that man, before you say yes to that woman, go to your mom and dad and ask this question. Do you approve of this? Go to your sister or your, or your siblings. And if you're a brother, go to your sister and say this. What do you think about her? Now, listen, listen to what they have to say. If you're a sister of a brother, ask that brother, what do you think about it? Make sure that everyone in that family gives you the thumbs up because there is wisdom. Now, listen, make sure they're trusting in Christ too. But there's wisdom in asking someone that you respect who chases after Jesus Christ. Because you don't want to make a decision that somehow, well, that's the spouse that God had for me. This decision outside of trusting in Jesus Christ is the second most important decision you'll make in your life. I can tell you the horror stories. I can tell you a lady, just first service, came up to me just broken in tears. Just saying something along those same lines. I wanted to get married and boy, I got married. And like two or three months later, I thought, what did I do? Please don't be that person. Another lie regarding marriage is this. If a person is going to be single for the rest of their lives, they will know that they are called to celibacy and singleness. That might be true in some circumstances, but not for most. Numerous lifelong singles say that they never felt called to singleness, but they felt called to singleness while they were single. The truth of the matter is this. If we are single, then singleness is our calling, at least for now. 
Marriage may be our calling tomorrow, but for now, it's singleness. So then those are myths, and here's some reasons why people get married that just, they're ungodly, they're unbiblical, and, 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 and they appear in all kinds of forms and fashions. And, and I just want to read a few to you reasons why people get married and they shouldn't. And I've heard them, I've heard them all, and I, my words today is, listen, put on your ears, listen, 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 listen. Ask the Spirit of God to, to discern and say, am I doing that? Have I done that? Ask Jesus to show you the way. The Bible tells in, in Isaiah 30, 21, where do we turn to our right or left? Our ears will hear a voice kind of saying, this is the way, walk in. So before you make decisions, listen to the Spirit. He speaks. Some wrong reasons why people get married. You want to be free from your parents. You're like, I'm tired of living downstairs in the basement. And you see this guy, like, hey, he's got a house. You know what? He's got nice teeth, too. Hey, you interested? And so we make these decisions because somehow we think that, that if I can get away from my parents, that somehow I get this label that I'm living with my parents and somehow I'm less than best because I'm living with my parents and somehow I need to get out of this. I want to get away from them. And so we take the first available man that's on the chopping block. Or you just want to have sex. And so Paul says, hey, if you're burning with passion, you need to marry. So Paul said it. I, so, hey, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I have this burning passion. And so the first guy that comes up and says, hey, how are you doing? Hey, you want to get married? No, 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 no. Listen to me. You think I'm kidding? This stuff happens. Boy meets girl. Boy opens his heart up to girl. And he hasn't protected his heart. He gives a little inch to his heart when he shouldn't have. In the first place, he's, he's, he opened his heart up to this girl who doesn't know Jesus, or she's opened up his heart to this guy who doesn't know Jesus, and he starts doing these nice things for her, and all of a sudden, her heart feels attached to him, and then there's this innate sense, sense in us, or desire in us, to be intimate with the opposite sex, and so that's, that comes along, and then that comes along, and he's doing nice things, she's doing, and we forgot all about Jesus, and we think, we need to get married, because we have this heart that goes, pop, 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 pop. No! Some get married because they're tired of being lonely. Listen to me. I, you know, I know you feel lonely. Like there's times, even this week, I was thinking about single and single gens in our church, and the shepherd in me is, oh God, please meet them, Lord. Meet them in their loneliness. God, don't let them believe the lies of the devil. There's something wrong with them that if, if they don't jump at the first man or jump at the first woman or a lie that says you can't make it. And when I know in, in Philippians 4.19, it says, my God will supply all your needs according to Jesus. Listen, if you think that this man is going to take away your loneliness. You're in for the surprise of your life. Your security and identity begins in Christ. And when you're in Christ, he's enough. Maybe you decided to get married because you want to show that you're an adult. Listen, this is craziness. We people get married because that's, well, it's the next thing. When I'm 18, it's time to get out of the house and get married. Maybe you're getting married because of this wrong reason, because you're pregnant or she's pregnant. Listen to me. If this person, if you're the woman that's pregnant and you made a sinful choice to have sex before marriage, and this guy's a nice guy, he's a nice guy, and he, and, and, but he doesn't love Jesus Christ, listen to me. Don't rush in and do another bad decision, a sinful decision by marrying someone who is not saved. It just because you have a child between the two of you doesn't mean that you have to be married together. Listen, that 
father and that mother can continue to be a good mother and father even though they're not married. The best decision might be that you remain unmarried and that you raise the kid and you move on to someone who loves Jesus Christ and is Christ-centered and you love Jesus and together you can love this child. But I see it happen all the time. Well, oh no, she's pregnant. We need to get married. No, no, no. You need to pull away and ask the God of the universe. First, you need to repent of your sin. And then you need to ask the God of the universe, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Another reason, wrong reason to get married. Because he or she loves you. Well, so does your dog. It's just crazy the stuff we think of. We think, I'm going to marry this person because they love me. You know who loves you unconditionally and will love you the rest of your life forever and ever? God, Jesus Christ. If you're looking for love, listen, you're looking in the wrong places. Just look to the creator, God, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Listen, that love is like no love. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and he is enough. Maybe you want to get married because you want to save or help someone. And I see this happen often. Oh, man, I just, I see these women who, who have this help, this gift that wants to help people. Praise God for that, by the way. It's the gift that helps. And it's like, you see someone and you see this guy, he's like, man, he doesn't know how to tie his shoes. And they go, oh, I just want to tie his shoes. Like, oh, he needs someone to straighten out his hair. Oh, he's so nice, too. Like, he's so nice. It's like a puppy dog. And you're like, oh, let me help you. Let me take you by the chain. <laughs> and before you know, it's like, hey, you want to marry? You want to marry? And you married this puppy dog that you don't even love. Like, don't get married because you want to take care of somebody. Some of you want to get married because of money. This happens more and more and more in the world we live in. Listen to me. I don't know what you experience because I've never been a single mom. I don't know what it's like to be a single mom with kids. I don't know what it's like to be a single girl in our world who often doesn't get the high-paying job that a man gets. I don't know what that's like. But what I do know is this, that even though you can barely make it to the weekend to pay your bills, even though some of you are working two jobs, marrying a man just because he can care for your needs, listen, that is sin. Our God can supply all your needs. You know, walking with Christ doesn't mean that we don't not have times where we're joining in in his sufferings too. That's when we grow the most. Or you want to get married because all your friends are married. And, and, and singles know this. Like, like you graduate from college and what happens? The first summer after you graduate from college, you're like in seven weddings. Everyone's getting married. Next year, everyone else get married. And, and by the way, you got the pose down because you're in the wedding party. You've practiced it, you know it, and you can do it. And all your friends are getting married, and these guys that gals used to hang out with, you would go out and you'd play basketball with them, or you'd go golfing with them. And, and Friday nights, you would drive you know, an hour to their place, and you would go there. And now they're married, and they're like, dude, what are you doing here? I got a wife. And you're like, who do I hang out with? I don't have anyone to hang out with anymore. No one's here. Well, everyone's married. And I'm like this, the, the fifth wheel left out. And so you know what you do? You start looking, I need to get married too. Listen, please, don't do that. 
or you, you get married out of fear that no one else will marry you, or you think you're running out of time, or you get married for immigration purposes, or you're just tired of being single, or you don't want people gossiping about the two of you living together. Listen, if you're living together, hear me out again. If you're living together and you call yourself a Christ follower and he's a Christ follower, you are living in sin. The God of the universe will never bless that union. Listen, men, if you are in that situation, they do the most godly and noble and best thing you've ever done with this woman and leave the home and pull away and begin repenting of your sin and then go back and say, is this what God wants? And restart that relationship. And if you're in a living together relationship and you're saying it's the only way we can make it, then you are not trusting in Jesus Christ. You're expecting a man to do what Christ can do for you. But that's hard stuff, isn't it? That's like, let's, well, Pastor Jim, you don't know how hard it is. Listen, I might not, but the God of the universe knows how hard it is. Scripture gives us a picture of of, of a couple getting married. Now turn to Genesis chapter 24. Let's take a look at that. Now listen, I'm going to give you an example, but this isn't the example. This, this isn't a method, but we're going to look at some principles here, some godly principles, how, 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 how a couple got married. Turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. Marriage is God's plan, but don't get married until you hear from God. Look at Genesis chapter 24. In verse one, it says, Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in the household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I'm so glad we don't have vowels like that today. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. But will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a what? Wife, for my what? Son, from where? There. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So there's, there's a principle here. They're crying out to God in this case. They're seeking, they're looking, they're recognizing there could be a woman out there. And there is a man that has a son that is longing to get married. So it's okay to look. It's okay to pursue. In fact, isn't that what Proverbs 18.22 says? That who who finds a wife finds a good thing? And by the way, you know what that means, guys? That means you are on the hunt. You are pursuing. You are the one asking them out. You are the one taking initiative. You are the one that's going after them. You find them and let your intentions be known to them. Look at verse 10. Then the servant left, taking with him 10 of the master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out from the place he was at. And it says in verse 11, he had camels kneeled down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening in the time the women go out to draw water. Then he what? What's the word? Prayed. You see the principle here? He prayed. He asked God. 
It wasn't he was going in his own strength and his own power. He was going the power of God. I need to find a wife for this guy. So he prayed. Look what he prayed. Lord, God of my master, Abraham, make me what today? Successful today. And show kindness to my master, Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be, he says, that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I might have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now listen, this is a method. So guys, don't be standing at the water fountains at Grace Community Church today. And have that real sad look on your face. This is an example from scripture. Look what he says next, verse 15. And by the way, ladies, we we know the example from Ruth when she wanted, in the Old Testament custom, in the Old Testament, she wanted to find a kinsman redeemer. And so if you had interest in a man, you would take the cover that was covering his feet and you would lay at the other end of him, feet to feet, and you would uncover and cover up your feet. And if you laid the cover, his cover over your feet, you're saying, hey, I want to marry you. I always think about it every time I watch a picnic and I watch people, gals carrying their blankets and I think, oh, if they only knew what Ruth did. (laughs) Look at verse 15. Before he had finished praying, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. The woman was very what? What's it say? Beautiful. That's a good start, isn't it, for a guy? A virgin. No man had slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her. Can you see? Pursuing. There's an opportunity. There's someone that fits the bill. There's someone that I could be interested in. And the the, the custom then here was someone else was pursuing, but we know that we're supposed to pursue. So he saw an opportunity, and he hurried to the opportunity. And then he says, please give me a little water from your jar. Verse 18, drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well and draw more water. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the what Lord had made his journey successful. Let me just pause here in this example. Compromise is never an option when you're pursuing and looking for a spouse. If that's what God has called you to and that's what you feel like you're doing. But listen, men, there is this picture in scripture that you are pursuing, you are going after. And I've heard girls say on many occasions, I wish he would take more initiative. And ladies, you've heard me say this, but it's worth repeating in case you haven't heard. What, what is your responsibility? If he's supposed to be pursuing and he's supposed to take the initiative, what is your responsibility if you see a man and you know a man, you've spent time with him, you, there's qualities about him. And I often say this, prepare yourself, get yourself ready to be married. People are how can I get myself ready to be married? Well, one thing you do, you do what Jesus did in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and his relationship with God and man. Jesus grew physically. You get yourself ready physically, that you're healthy. You get yourself ready relationally and you're 
relationships with others. Don't let that bitterness from your past, whatever those relationships are with your mom and dad and those around, make sure you got those in order. Grow in your relationship with God. So make sure you, you're spending time in his word, reading, and you're communing with him weekly, daily, hourly. Make sure that there's this relationship with him established. Then it says this, that Jesus grew in knowledge too. Make sure that you're reading. Make sure you're prepared. Learn as much as you can about human beings. Learn as much as you can about your character, whether you're an introvert or extrovert. Know that this is compatible. This works best. And know all these things. Like You are ready. Like, man, you are just like, I'm ready. Be ready. That's part of the problem. Most aren't. They just see somebody and, "Ah, I do. And so ladies, what's your responsibility in this? I say it this way. You need to get in his way until he notices you. I mean that with all of my heart. If he's the one that pursues, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. He's on the hunt. He's looking. You get in his way. You make your intentions known without speaking it. So how is that? Well, you, you notice a guy. You have your list that you prayed for. You, your longing is like, and you, know, you, you, know, you know that there's some kind of chemistry there in your heart and you see and, and you, you, you love the ins- or like the inside of him and like the outside of him and he's available. And so, you know what you do? You start showing up where he's at. Like if he plays softball at Shanklin Park, you know what you do? You go set in the bleachers and you root for his team. <laughs> if he comes to Grace Community Church and you, and you ask around, hey, have you seen that guy that wore the striped shirt and ha- had, the, had the black hair and, 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 and I, I heard him share his testimony? Hey, what service does he come to? And if he goes to the eight o'clock service and you've been coming to the 1130 service because you like to sleep in, then you go to bed earlier on Saturday night, okay? <laughs> and you show up and you know where you sit? You sit right in front of him. <laughs> you keep showing up. Everywhere he goes, like, like, like you show up and then you find out that he comes to pursuit that gathers for 18 and 28 year olds. Like you show up to pursuit. You keep showing up, and every time you see him, <laughs> dudes, if you've got someone that keeps showing up in your picture of your life, listen, wake up, okay? That's probably a good sign that she's a little bit interested. Take your stupid off and introduce yourself. <laughs> it's true, though. Compromise is not an option, though. So in this case, we see they're pursuing, they're looking. And by the way, let me just say this to dudes, too. You know, this idea of pursuing. You know, a lot of us like to hunt. A lot of us like to fish. I'm a hunter, and I enjoy hunting. So if I go to the woods, and I'm hunting, I'm looking, I'm pursuing a deer. Like, if I keep going to this woods, and I've been in this woods for, like, three straight years, and I haven't seen any deer, any wise hunter is going to say, you know what? There might not be any deer here you know what? I should probably find a new place to find deer. So if you keep going to places and like, there's like no available women there, listen, you need to say, you know what? I need to go to a new woods. I need to go where Christian women come together. I need to put my place, myself in the place where women gather to worship God and love Jesus. And by the way, it won't be a bar. Can I get like three amens out of that? 
I think one of the greatest places, this is why I love Grace Community, by the way. I, I think this is a great place for singles to meet. But listen, if you're not coming to pursuit and you're 18 to 28 years old and you're interested in meeting someone, then come to pursuit. Come and see if there's anyone available. Take initiative. I know gals are saying, I wish he would pursue me. And men, when you get married, don't stop pursuing either. Part of the problem in marriages is we quit pursuing. Like, like we, go, we go black bear hunting. We, we get the gear. We got everything. We're ready. We're ready. We're prepared. We've done everything to be prepared. We got our scope. We got our gun. We got our food. We got our tent. We go to Alaska. We tent. We got our, gla- our binoculars. We're, we're looking out across the lake. There's black bear. Black bear. Black bear. Get your gun. Shoot. Dead. I got the bear. Bring it home. It's like, well, I got the bear. I conquered. And that's what men are like. Well, I don't need to pursue anymore. I got her. No, continue to. A wife wants to continually be pursued throughout the whole marriage. Ladies, am I right about that? So look what happens here. He continues to pursue. He, he asks her the question. And now her brother, look at verse 29. Rebecca had a brother named Laban and he hurried out to meet the man. He got the brother's approval. There's a principle. Get the approval of others. Look at verse 36 and 37. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me a swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites in whose land I, but I must bring her back. Look at verse 39. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before, the Lord before whom I have walked faithfully will send an angel with you and make your journey a success so that you will, can get a wife for my son from my own clan. God went ahead because they prayed. God is doing the working. God is doing the preparing. God is helping make this successful. Verse 45. Before I finish praying in my heart, he prayed again. Rebecca came out with her jar on her left shoulder. And then in verse 50. Laban and Bethel answered, this is from the Lord, I can tell. Like everything's lining up with his word. We can say nothing to you one way or another. In other words, you pass the test. In verse 51, here is Rebecca. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. Can you see the principles that are there? If you long to be married, put yourself in the center of what God's plan is, pursue men, pursue. Pray to God, ask God for success, continue to, to be faithful in the journey and stand strong in your faithfulness until that happens. Others affirm this decision. Listen to me, please, right now. If you are in a relationship with a man and he is pushing sex from you and he is not your husband, get out and run as fast as you can from him. That is not the kind of man that's walking in the center of God's will right now. If you're in a relationship where you wonder if you have settled and it doesn't go away, like you're in a relationship and, and you're talking about marriage and it's like, I just don't, I'm not certain about this. And you don't have peace and you've talked to your, to, to those that love Jesus and you've gotten advice and it's like, there's this, this uncertainty that continues to surface. Listen to me. Don't marry anyone until there's peace that has come out of fasting and prayer and out of the confidence and multitude of counselors. Don't do it because when you get married, that peace won't show up. Marriage doesn't give you peace that wasn't there before. If you're in a relationship 
where you can't be you and all you are doing is trying to make them happy. Get out. If you're in a relationship where Jesus is not your number one or you are hoping that when you get married, he or she will start attending church, get out. Listen, if you have any doubts, any reason at all, whether or not you should marry this man or woman, or if you're looking for a reason to get out, then just get out. Too much is at stake. The cause and the hope and the glory of Jesus Christ and you making disciples in that marriage. You heard me say that. That's the primary goal of marriages is to make disciples. It doesn't change when you get married. It's just now you have a helper to do it. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so when you get married, you know what the primary goal is? We need to make disciples. We need to be mentoring people. We need to be leading people to Christ together. That's the goal of a marriage. Listen, if you can't walk into a marriage and make disciples with that husband or wife, listen, that's not the couple that is supposed to be brought out on earth and you should not marry him or should not marry her. Singleness is not a sickness. It might be the very best thing for you until God becomes your number one. I'm going to ask you to do something in closing today because I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something today. We're family here. Like, I'm your shepherd and we love you here at Grace Community. If you are single or single again, if you're a widowed single, I'm just going to ask you to stand now and I want to pray for you. Would you just stand? Don't be ashamed of it because your identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not in your singleness. Pardon me, what's to say to the dudes? Take a quick look, take a quick look. <laughs> Ladies, look around, look around. There's available dudes. I want to pray for you, but we're family. We're in this together. So I'm going to ask you to do something that are seated, those of you who are married. I want you to ask the Spirit, there's someone here that he wants you to go to and lay your hand on and just in comfort and support, put your hand on their shoulder as I pray for them. So just work around, find someone. You might have to walk to the other side of the room to do so. We're family together here today. Make sure no one's standing alone, please. Look to the back of the room. Somebody look back. There's someone standing that that needs a hand on their shoulder. Work your way to the back. Don't let any single stand alone. Father God, I pray for spirit of wisdom for these singles. I pray, God, that they would not believe the lies of the enemy who tells them that they are less and best. I pray, God, that their identity wouldn't be claimed in their singleness, but their identity would be claimed in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and they are son and daughter of you. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting now. And standing right now made them more aware of their pain. I pray, God, you would send a messenger of hope, your angels, to attend to them, brothers and sisters, to come alongside and say, you know what, I love you. We're going to walk through this together. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring great comfort and be the great comforter to them. I pray, God, for courage amongst many of these singles. Some have decisions to make. They're in relationships that you know they should not be in. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to back out. 
I pray this, God. I pray for those that long to be married, that those that long to be in relationship, that, God, that you would open their eyes to some man or some girl that loves Jesus that would be a great match for them. I also pray for others, God. I pray that men and women would be getting themselves ready for this next step. I pray that they would passionately run after you, Jesus. Find security and they would grow in wisdom, stature, and relationship with God and man. I pray, God, for healthy marriages. I pray for marriages that are centered upon God. I pray for those that are single and that feel like they want to remain single. I pray that you'll give them the courage to step out in this time of singleness. Because, God, more than ever, they have an opportunity because they don't have attachments. I pray that more than ever that they would run after you and they would serve in ways that they can, that married couples can't. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'll make us one as a family here today. And I pray that when sin, the temptation surfaces to sin, that we would run from it, God. I pray, Lord, in an unusual way today, as they leave here today, that they would feel the love of God and the love of their brother and sister in ways they haven't in a long time. I pray, God, that you would do a mighty work. We ask this in the strong and powerful and healing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.